The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. Yeah, the Africa Business Report this evening. We're getting hold of Francois Conradi, who's the head of research and the political analyst at NKC African Economics. Uh, Francois joins us in just a moment. And Narina Fisser, just after Eyewitness News at half past seven uh, from ETFSA, our investment school. It's really important understanding asset classes for your portfolio and then how to balance asset classes. It is quite daunting. Uh, particularly as we challenge the commodities boom, um, the technology booms, the boom booms. We'll talk all about that uh, with Narina Fisser this evening. But first, Francois Conradi, nice to have you with us again this evening. Head of Research and Political Analyst at NKC African Economics. Burkina Faso is not one we talk about very, very often. Um, there are lots of protests happening at the moment. What are the protests focusing in on? Sorry, can I just correct you on the company name? Eh? We've rebranded. We're now Oxford Economics Africa. Look um, at that. So Oxford Oxford Economics Africa. That's very, that's right. very posh. Producers, make yeah. a note. Thank you. Thank you, Francois. All right. Um, yes, yeah, so uh, back to Burkina Faso. Very big protests and dramatic ones, especially on Saturday, with uh, really angry people coming right up to French soldiers and screaming at them to leave the country and we don't want you here and that sort of thing. Um, the catalyst for the events was a terrorist massacre uh, last Sunday, the 14th, when over 50 people, uh, most of them soldiers, died in an attack in the north by a jihadist group. But the reason the camp was relatively undefended was that they hadn't received relief or supplies for three weeks. So then people are, got furious uh, at the government for, for neglect, um, but also at the French, who are present in the country as they are in Niger and Mali, saying that the French aren't doing anything to combat terrorism or, um, in some cases, going further and, and alleging that the French are actively uh, helping the jihadists uh, in their fight against, uh, against the soldiers. Um, it must be said that some of what we see is being piloted by agents with an agenda. The French think that the Russians are pushing it, and I think they're right. Um, so now you've got the situation where Kabore is under real pressure, uh, very unpopular with the army, so definitely fearing a coup. He's cut the internet in Burkina Faso uh, since the weekend. Um, and you've got the situation where the, the, the French column is still trying to get to Niger, but wherever they go, um, crowds of people are, are blocking them. So, uh, this this earlier, feels like um, Cold War. This feels like sort of Cold War politics all over the African continent all over again. Very much. Yes, very much. So um, definitely the Russians um, are, are moving their pawns. Um, but, of course, it's, it's also true that, that decades of fairly exploitative operations by the French um, have played their part. You know, the, the, the anti-French sentiment isn't based on nothing at all. Um, but it is, it's, it's more hectic than it has been for a very long time. And that anti-French energy that you're seeing in Burkina Faso is, is relevant to politics in, in bigger and more visible places, especially Senegal and Côte d'Ivoire, uh, where it plays into politics... Um, and affects the operating environment for French businesses. Yeah, it's worrying. Um, it really is concerning. Uh, and then, uh, you know, when there was hope for the DRC, everyone got terribly excited, and then the hope faded fast, and, and there's just mounting evidence of, of corruption within uh, the upper echelons of, of DRC power and politics. Well, I'm, I, I, there's still reason to be optimistic. So the the the, reason, the, the most recent leaks that, that have been in the news now over the, re- the past few days um, since Friday um, are based on what they're calling Congo Holdup, which is a dump of leaks from a whistleblower 
uh, at a bank, Congolese bank, BGFI Bank, which has a track record of helping corrupt uh, oligarchs, not only in the DRC, but also Gabon and Congo Republic. But it, it doesn't, it's not really about what's happening now. It's about what was happening during the last five years of Joseph Kabila's presidency. When, right. Um, as much as $138 million. That's, that's what they know based on what came out of this one bank. Uh, was stolen. Um, so it, it was known, obviously, that Kabila's presidency was extremely corrupt, that a lot of money was going missing. Uh, but the, the actual mechanisms hadn't been laid out as clearly as they are being laid out now. And it's a bit shocking to see how much of the theft was as simple as, you know, just getting the central bank, which then was under the governorship of a Kabila crony, to pay money over into a specific account at, at this bank. And now um, it is, the good news is that the documentation is detailed enough that a prosecution could conceivably be based on it. So there is a good chance that you will see um, current President Felix Chisekedi uh, do exactly that and, and um, bolster his, his uh, bona fides as an anti-corruption uh, operator by uh, going after Kabila regime insiders. Uh, but it's definitely still the case that Chisekedi's Congo is cleaner than Kabila's. Um, and um, the money's following. You know, there's there's massive amounts of, of uh, um, investment flowing into the DRC now, and, and that's a very good thing. Uh, I mean, it's it's nice to see. I mean, it, it, it's yeah, the the leaks and and insiders and whistleblowers are absolutely pivotal, of course, to fixing broken economies. Uh, the U.S. Clem uh, uh, Sunter used to giggle about a joke, and well, I don't think it was a joke at all, but he saw it as a joke um, and loved telling the story um, and I'm sure would tell it again today if you asked him. But Clem Sunter, uh, he was you know, in China in 2005 or thereabouts, and he said to senior leaders in China, why is it that you, you like investing across Africa so much? And they said, because you don't bump into any Americans there. Um, and and um, you know, over the last uh, five or six years or so, the Americans Americans do seem to have been taking this continent a little bit more seriously. Uh, and we had the Secretary of State Blinken uh, across uh, some African economies last week. Yes, that's right. So I think um, the Trump presidency wasn't one um, during which Africa was a, was a massive priority for Washington, although um, Mike Pompeo did, I think he, he went to Egypt at once. Um, but that's right. Yes, uh, Anthony Blinken stopped in three places, Kenya, Nigeria and Senegal. Uh, where he was um, counteracting exactly the kind of Chinese influence that uh, Clem Santo was talking about. Um, he, you know, when he talks about um, infrastructure investment, he, he talks about the importance of using local labor and about avoiding debt traps, which are implicit criticisms of China and the way it tends to um, obtain uh, long-term minerals agreements in Africa, you know, by extending... Uh, putting the cash up front, um, but then bringing in its, its own people to, to operate the, the mines and, and um, facilities. Uh, he also, what was interesting was the way that he, he, he emphasized multilateralism. So he, in Kenya, he had a meeting with uh, IGAD, which is the regional body there, and in, and in Abuja it was with ECOWAS. And uh, even in Senegal, which was his last stop, he emphasized very much ECOWAS and um, regional cooperation, um, and also specifically mentioned the Russians, where he said um, Wagner, which is a mercenary outfit that's about to get involved in Mali, um, said you know any involvement by them would be dangerous and, and um, unpro- counterproductive. 
Thank you, Francois Conradi. He is the head of research and a political analyst at Oxford Africa Economics. Thank you very much, Francois Conradi, this evening uh, for joining us on the line from Cape Town.